Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of the Our Strange Skies podcast that is essentially therapy for myself. <laughs> and uh, I have uh, tasked uh, a few of my friends to, uh, you know, go through some of my sightings and to discuss them. And, you know, I, I talked about levity, but when you have people like Scott Philbrook, Forrest Burgess and Rich Adam on you there is no brevity in anything that you do so uh welcome to this very special episode gentlemen that's right no, hey Rob thank no you no brevity yeah. plenty of levity this is a paranormal intervention yes and by the way <laughs> I want to point out just right at the top here none of us are licensed therapists no are, are, no but we might we might could qualify as a paranormal therapist I don't know yeah some of us Something have like so, some um, of us are are I have a lot of experience with licensed therapists, though. I would like to say yeah. <laughs> decades of it. So, all right, you know. we Yeah, and we aren't mm-hmm. qualified to ask you how that made you feel. Yeah. yeah. Which I think yeah. that's 80% po- of therapy. Po- point yeah, to then, the yeah. place on the UFO where... Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. The, where you licked it. Where it yeah. traumatized you, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell, me, tell me about your mother, your alien, your alien mother. Um well, uh, yeah. So, Rob, you shared with us this document of a lot of stuff that uh, that you've been through, uh, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Did you write this up just for this? Yes. Or, so wow. you had never never really documented all this stuff before. I never written it down in one place. I've done uh, an episode about some of these sightings. So, how did stuff, that make but... you feel? <laughs> it was. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was very weird. It was very weird because I uh, the the list that I made you I was going through in my head and breaking it down in chronological order. Like, when did these things happen to me? Okay, well this happened then, this happened then, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this thing, so I got to go edit it. But uh, yeah, it, it took me about an hour and a half to make this, um, okay. and wow. I'm pretty sure that's everything. Maybe I've forgotten something. I don't know, but it's just. Are like, you gonna share the document with your listeners? Or yes, is it just, I, yeah. Okay. All right. So I, 
I'd like to start out. There's some really meaty ones in here, and I'm going to jump ahead of you, Rich. Maybe you have an idea, but I would. I'm particularly interested in one of the shorter ones near that. If we kind of go chronologically, I like yeah. this fall 2004 spirit mm. phenomenon story. Uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering if you now. Now that we're going to, if we do this, how, how's this going to work? Are you going to read it to uh, to the listeners here? Or uh, I'm it... not going to read it directly okay. from the from the paper, but uh, okay. I will I will share a, share the story. story. Oh, that's okay. good. That'll be helpful yeah. to, to certain people who didn't read your Google Doc in preparation for this episode. <laughs> 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 yeah, Mister prepared himself, Richard Adam. Um, yeah. Uh, so fall 2004. It was a just a windy night. Leading up to this, I had the best way I could describe what I was experiencing at that time was like anytime I would lay down to go to bed, it felt like there were people walking through the bed. Like it just felt like there was an energy there and it, it, for whatever reason it just kept walking back and forth uh through the bed it was very it was very weird and it all and and this lasted maybe for like i don't know a couple weeks and then there was this one night uh i want to say it was like late september early october somewhere around there it was fall and my bedroom door just started to rattle it was very weird so i had the window open it was windy so i went and closed it figured that was what was causing it after i closed it it still was shaking left and right. Uh, it had never done that before, but I felt really uncomfortable. So got out of my room and I went over to a, a friend's apartment and I was just like, I, I just need some place to hang out for a while. So I did as I was leaving, I, I felt better. It just felt, um, it felt like whatever it was, wasn't following me. It wasn't around. I felt like it kind of had followed me there, but I didn't want to say anything. It's like tracking in dog do. Yeah. L- yeah. Let them find it Whoops. later. Yeah. yeah. Spiritual dog do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's like I was uh, walking uh, with ectoplasm on my shoes. Absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I go home and went upstairs and everything was fine. I never had anything happen after that, but my friend, I didn't tell her why I was going over. I I didn't tell her that, that, you know, I was just like, eh, just, you know, nothing doing, hang out for a while. She sends me a a message. This was on AOL Instant Messenger at the time. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, going back, and she's like, you brought something over, man. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she shows me this picture, and she shows me a picture of her roommate, she's kind of wearing a, a blanket over her head and right next to her is this luminescent ball of light. Like it was, it, it wasn't a reflection. It was just like, cause you could tell a, a reflection off of something. There was literally nothing. It was in the middle of the hallway. There was nothing for it to reflect off of. There was just this luminescent ball of light. And I guess it hung out for a while before it just left. And okay yeah that's that's that story <laughs> is there is it question time oh yeah rich yep. is, i can tell his face he's, 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 he's chopping at the bit well yeah. a couple things one uh you know this reminds me of a couple things it reminds me of the watsika wonder um mm. Lawrence venom having a feeling when she was in her bed at night that there were people all around her um but it also reminds mm. me of other people i know who have had um who have ultimately had 
communication experiences with departed spirits. And, and it's, mm. it is that sort of trying to go to sleep, but the room is busy sort of feeling. And I, and I guess my question then would be, did you feel at any point that the, that the, these people walking through your bed, as you describe it, were trying to get in contact with you? Not really. Was it more like your, your bed was on a New York sidewalk? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of, you know, uh, definitely that, that same kind of feeling of just like constant energy and like, I've, I've experienced like that kind of moving energy before I did a, the last paranormal investigation I did was at a sorority house, uh, about an hour away from where I live. And we sat in this one girl's room cause she was just experiencing a lot of different things. And one thing that we all picked up on was there was this energy that would move fast, like back and forth, um, like right next to us whenever we would sit on the floor and the guy that I was investigating with, we kind of looked at each other. I was like, that's a dog, isn't it? It's like, yeah, kind of feels like a dog. So like, I think when you're sensitive to this stuff, you can kind of pick up on what kind of energy that you're dealing with uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of what form you think it takes. But I, I never got the direct idea that whatever uh, this was, that it really had any intention on communicating. I think just hanging out messing with me that's the vibe that i got i want to in in light of that and what you just said rob i want to mm-hmm. reel this back let's get to the let's get to the genesis the seminal moment why are you sensitive why do you think you've had a lifetime of small interesting experiences what brought this i guess walkway into your bedroom at the time or your your house uh, that leading to your friend and were they sensitive uh, to this? Because that the button on that story is that, uh, or as I say, it's the the twist, or I don't know, I don't know what Rich in his fancy TV writing world will call it in a script where it's just like you know what I'm saying. It's it's the uh, the stranger in the house. It's like uh, there's there's someone in the house. Like get out of the house. The calls are coming from the basement. That's the button. It's that's the hook or, you know, you, the, uh, you know, the hook in the woods chased the kids and they turned around and the hook was stuck on the, the car door handle. That's the button of the story here. It, it's you have separate confirmation from one of your friends. You said nothing. And suddenly mm. they say, dude, you just brought over some paranormal muck into our house and now we got to deal with it. And uh, so, you know, that I want to get to that later, but let's reel it back to the very beginning for you. What? Because you start off with a story here about the Christmas Eve visitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that the very first thing? What is that? Well, I'm putting words in your mouth. You tell us the very first time you had something strange happen when you started to realize, like, uh, I seem to be noticing things that other people aren't. I seem to have a more openness to this. And, uh, and this is the first weird thing that happened. Mm. How did that make you feel? <laughs> The first thing that I distinctly remember as uh, weird ever happening to me was when I was probably around six years old. Um, I was, it was Christmas Eve and um, I'd gone to bed, I think like by 8.30 that night. And I got up at 10.30 because I had to go to the bathroom. And I, I remember my parents calling to me and saying, well, 
it's not time to open presents, Rob. Go back to bed. And, you know, just going to the, just telling him I had to go to the bathroom. And um, where my bedroom was, you come out into the hallway. Uh, right on the right-hand side is the landing that leads down to our front door. From the top, it curves down to the right. The door was just really old. It was probably, uh, because, like, a lot of the houses in my hometown, Saranac Lake, are old. They go back to um, the time when uh, tuberculosis was huge because a lot of people came up to this area for the clean air. The apartment that we lived in, uh, we were pretty sure it was an old cure cottage because there's there's just tons of them up here. And the door, it never closed right. You couldn't lock it. It would have used an old skeleton key. We didn't have one, but... Our downstairs neighbor, uh, her name was Betty, and uh, sweetest old lady. She uh, she would always close the door for us. And when I was walking by to go to the bathroom, I noticed that the door down there was closing. You could tell because, uh, you know, you could see the light from the hallway light downstairs. It was getting smaller, so you could tell that it was closing. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm assuming it's Betty that's closing it. So I went to the bathroom. Went back to bed, climbed into bed, and a couple minutes later, I noticed a short shadow and in the doorway. I couldn't make out like a lot of the features, but just the way that it was built, like its its head came to a point. So I naturally assumed that it like kind of like a lawn gnome in a way, because of the the design. Like you know, thinking that I don't know being young and impressionable at that age. Hey, there's one of Santa's little helpers right there. I remember walking into my bedroom, crossed right in front of my bed. Don't remember anything after that. So are you familiar with the Nissa or Nisa? Mm-hmm. This is a, yeah. So it sounds like a lot like that. I guess it's a Nordic uh, folkloric Christmas gnome type thing. Mm-hmm. Scandinavian folklore has appeared in many works of Scandinavian literature. And he's a tiny little dude with a pointy hat comes around at Christmas and winter solstice. Well, that's kind of interesting because I never <laughs> like I knew I, I know the, the name. I don't I've never really connected it to that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm my my father's Norwegian. So, mm. yeah. Mm, so that's right. yeah, there. Well, there. See, that's interesting. That is interesting. Well, looking back on that incident, because uh, I realize, you know, when strange things happen when you're young and uh, you don't have the same comprehension that you do when you're an adult, of course, do you think this was a first salvo, a, a an opening greeting encounter with strangeness that was to introduce more into your life later on? Were you chosen in some way. And I, I don't mean that as a joke. It's like you, you do get that from a lot of people. The next story I want to talk about is the orange light. You've talked about this on our show before and mm-hmm. ours on, on yours, the orange light, because we, we have just conducted an interview, at least the first part with Terry Lovelace, the second part where we expound on ideas and happenings in his first book, which he thought he left out because he thought they were too crazy to include it's like this is really going to uh, shoot down my credibility if i have any left uh but they're fascinating concepts so we it starts to sound a lot more there there's some some things that rhyme and with terry this house this also happened at a very young age when he was probably five or six 
with a bedroom visitation, leading to a lifetime of different experiences of all strange manners. Yours seem to run the gamut as far as, uh, you know, there's cryptids, there's spiritual things, there are perhaps UFOs. There, there's, you, you've had this, you know, to use a Nordic term, smorgasbord of, <laughs> of experiences, but there seemed to be, for at least for Terry, that one moment where he can look back and say, yeah, I think that was the first time something visited me. And maybe not for his whole family, because there are other stories that go back with relatives in the same region. But for him, there was one thing that kicked it off, and which was like, hey, this is us, and we're going to be with you for the rest of your life. Do you feel like that? Or, you know, what, 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 do, you, what do you feel like when you look back at this and, and try to put this jigsaw piece uh, into the whole puzzle that is your life? I can't really... It's weird because I can't really pin it to one thing because it's not one thing. Mm -hmm. It's many different things um, over the course of my life. But it, I think it's just like, it just shows up every now and then. It, it's almost kind of like a reminder. And mm. I haven't had like any like very strange experiences in probably three years or so. Um, but, mm. you know, it, it just always seemed like every few years something would um something would kind of happen i remember uh, as a kid i would never slept in my bed a lot i i would either sleep in our recliner i would sleep on my parents floor on at, at times my sister wasn't like that i know that but uh, for whatever reason i hated sleeping in my room part of, part of it may have just been the fact that the radiator never worked well in there for the first 10 years of my life but um <laughs> it, it's tough to really say because i can't really i i think because it's so everything is so different and because mm -hmm. it's it, it's not one singular thing that like right um that i can pinpoint that like I don't even well, totally know what to think of it. It's just a, a collection of weird yeah. experiences. And, yeah. and yet, okay, so so there wasn't like um, like a huge um, initiation experience, if you will, that that no. sort of suddenly ushered you into an age of psychic awareness and spirituality. But across the course of the experiences you had you could probably also put like numbers by each of them in terms of how much they affected you, how much, you know, the degree of validity or objectivity you might assign them. Because I'm, I'm sure some in your memory sort of feel like, well, I don't know, like I know it happened, but maybe I was really young at the time or it was Christmas or whatever, but others you're like, no, that happened. Um, I guess I'm curious what ranks pretty high on, on that scale. Most of the stuff that really sticks out is the stuff that happened to me uh, when I was an adult, you know, in the last 10 years or so. The, the, those events are generally kind of, they seem more on the extreme end. Like mm -hmm. just what you're seeing is so far out of the ordinary from what you have seen that, hey, let's challenge your sense of reality in a bit yeah. um, because uh, a lot of the really out there stuff happened between 
2012 to 2018. Hmm. Which is weird because, you know, you're only 19, so I don't see how this... <laughs> well, so, so I, like... I, there was a time. Name, uh, well, like, tell us about one that is just in your mind beyond question. I, I, the 2015 UFO sighting that I had is just, I think that's probably the most important one, just in the fact that it was so close uh, to, to where we were um, in, in 2015. And I'm, I'm still doing the same job I am now that I was then. What job? Uh, I work in a nursing home. I do the uh, laundry. So, uh, And you walk to and from work. It, Oh yeah, like a lot of these experiences happen on my walks to work, and, or they happen when I was at work. And you work a late shift, so some of these walks are literally in the middle of the night. That's the thing I don't. If they happen, they generally happen very early in the morning. So like uh, mm. between the hours of say like three thirty and five thirty around there is is when a lot of them happen. Yeah. So that's that's what scientists call the scary hours. <laughs> I mean like, you know, it seems like the witching hour gets extended, you know, usually it's like what from 12 to 3, it's somewhere in there. Um Yeah. But like a lot of the major ones from those years definitely happen while walking to work. Uh, which is very strange. And I mean like so the, the 2015 incident, and I know I've, I've talked about it, but I'll, I'll talk about it again, just in um, like, there probably wouldn't be an our strange guys if there, if that incident never happened, because that's the catalyst for uh, all the UFO research that I do. It was in June and it was warm. I had a ton of work to do. And my buddy, Dennis, he comes down and he asked me to go out on a break, and this was around ten fifteen, which is usually our break times. One one of our break times. Ten fifteen at night or ten fifteen in the morning. In the morning. Got it. I was just like, nah, I don't want to. I, I, I've got too much work to do. But he was it, it, the thing about Dennis is is like he's persistently positive. So he's like, I'll, I'll come in and help you. I'm like, all right, cool. I I left my phone in there. Weird thing. Normally I'd bring my phone everywhere, but we went outside and uh from the, you know, edge of the property is the only place that you can really smoke while you're at work. Uh laws up here you can't smoke on hospital or nursing home grounds. So Not like the good old days. No. Where your your doctor could lean in with a cigar while he's yeah. cutting you open. Right right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh we we were standing out there two, three minutes and just looked up and and, and it was a a sunny day. The skies were blue. It was it was beautiful out. And there we see this object that um best way to describe it is it really looked like a giant egg like <laughs> there's no way about it like and and the thing is is like you know if if you look at other egg-shaped craft they almost look like oblong in a way yeah this one looked literally like an egg like it yeah. had that you know um that rounded, rounded side on, on, right. on one end yeah 
and it was just this dull kind of white aluminum color and it was and it was the, the thing about it was it was moving incredibly slow like really slow like slower than a car and just moving parallel to where we were we were you know if we were like standing right here it was moving and then right about where we were standing it just stops and then it turns slowly and then it starts going that way and how close was this that thing had to be under a thousand feet in the air Mm -hmm. like it it was really close like uh it's definite i think ce1 territory here how big did it seem probably about as big as like a volkswagen VW bug like it wasn't incredibly huge but it was um it was you know sizable it it seemed like it didn't seem like a drone because like I've I've seen you know some of the drones that they uh that they have that are kind of they they have shaped drones like that especially like drug uh you know spotting drones Mm -hmm. and stuff like that they're rounded and stuff like that didn't look anything like that it didn't even seem like it would be like aerodynamic in a way that it could fly like that and didn't make a sound didn't hear you know like any motor or whatever would keep something like that up so when you saw was it, it uh, sitting oh sorry go ahead Rachel. i was just gonna say when you saw it like um did did you immediately think this is not a normal thing or did your mind go through a couple of steps of oh is that a balloon or is that a helicopter like did you what what was sort of the mental process before you kind of realized this isn't normal i didn't think it was normal from the start but the thing was is that i didn't seem to care like it was there it seemed rather mundane is is the best way to put it like everything about it seemed mundane and like normal <laughs> like like this is something you would see every day and it's not yeah it's yeah. definitely not but like my buddy dennis didn't seem to be interested in it he had his phone he could have taken you know shots or something with it and he didn't but uh whenever i pointed to it he kind of he looked up at it but he just didn't seem to be interested in it like okay well maybe this is kind of normal, but like after the fact didn't seem normal at all. And the thing was, is that I could have gotten more people to look at it because my boss and a couple other guys were down in the garage, which was like a hundred feet away. Didn't say anything. Yeah. Could have, but yeah, no classic, uh, classic paranormal UFO apathy, uh, which we didn't really realize until, uh, you start telling us some of your stories and we'd, we'd heard other anecdotes and started reading more about it. Uh, a very common reaction, but I just told this anecdote because it's one of my favorites in our interview with Terry Lovelace, which mm. probably won't be coming out until uh, the first part of November. But um, what was interesting about that is, well, one, I, I, I'm glad I got most of the, uh, <laughs> the details, right. Uh, one, I never asked you, was the egg, I guess it doesn't make any difference slightly, but was the egg on its side or was the egg sitting, uh, uh, basically sitting vertical? It was laying on its side. Laying on its side as it was moving. Was it Is it moving? in here? No. No. 
it's not in the oh, ex- Scott explain it's what not that in either is, one of those two held up but... no oh, but yeah. that, UFO that, that, encyclopedia those are uh, those are very handy volumes I go to those things all the time whenever but, I yeah I figured to... you'd already I was gonna thumb through myself but I figured you've already looked for yeah no so it's, I've, it's I've thumbed a... through but uh <laughs> it's the physician's the desk what reference this one yeah the uh, desk I, reference I, I, uh no no I've never not in any of them no I've never reported it all right a couple other questions though I because I want oh I, I, I love those books, though, but, but how come I only got one <laughs> On the volume? <laughs> Did anyone else experience that? Like, like you can't. Oh, I had to one, order these like separately. The, the other volume. I you had, had to order, order them separately? To get. I did, yeah. See, oh. see uh, I thought I was going to get yeah. both. And I, I uh, I've got the first one, A through mm. M, but I don't have uh, M. Well, 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 time you need it. When they first when, sold yeah. them. On Amazon, you could get them both at the same time because I did. They hmm. also, you also could. Uh, there was a special coupon that you could use <laughs> for them too. So, well, well, Rob, a, a couple of questions though, because again, I, uh, I didn't, I have not had many uh, profound, even mildly amusing anecdotes that have happened to me or instances, but I tell, I tell uh, my friends uh, stories quite often. And uh, this is one I often tell because it's got a lot of interesting elements. So I, I want to get this thing right. When I first heard it, did you say that you and your friend were just discussing UFOs right before you went outside? We talked about UFOs. Like uh, I used to hang out with Dennis all the time. I used to go over yeah. to his house and we would talk about, you know, all sorts of weird things, UFOs and stuff like that. I remember was talking about the, like the Black Knight satellite and right. uh, th- things like that. Because, I mean, um, ar- around that time, uh, you know, Ancient Aliens was on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Hangar One was mm-hmm. uh, was a show that I watched a lot. Um, and yeah. like the, for all its faults, it did have a lot of, you know, great case information. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, I uh, I. I you know, then went and read about in other places, but um, we talked about weird stuff all the time. See, I thought that you had you guys right before you went on your break, or he suggested you go outside. That I thought that you were talking about UFO sightings, or wouldn't it be cool to go to walk outside and see a, a UFO? And then you did, but I'm not sure if that that fact is correct. No, not not exactly like that. But uh, we talked about our UFO sightings um and uh uh he he talked about how one time he i I forget where the heck he was but it was somewhere up here and and he literally Mm -hmm. saw i I think it was like a black helicopter chasing ufo it was well it's very weird but um there are a lot of i've heard uh, a, a few strange stories about um ufos uh up in this area and from about so I never really made this connection before, but uh, from mm-hmm. around 2012 to about 20, I'm trying to remember the last time I saw this thing, uh, probably about 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. uh, in town, generally at random hours of the night, you could see this stationary, well, not stationary, it moved, but it was a singular white or red light. And it would just move very slowly across the sky. A lot of people mm. have seen this mm-hmm. uh, in town. They, 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 they I've, I've heard so many people joke about, oh, there's that UFO. Mm-hmm. I literally saw it once while I was walking to a bar. And where it was, like uh, in, in town, there's a uh, famous factory that sh- shut down over like 10 years ago. 
uh, now, but uh, they the smokestacks that they had are still there. There's like a it's like a bike path that'll take you uh, downtown to the bars that you want to go to. And uh, I remember seeing this red light. Uh, this was probably like eight eight thirty at night, and it was doing its thing, moving slowly, and it had to have been flying low because uh, it kind of like bisected the stacks and uh about five minutes later uh, maybe even less than that there were two jets that were heading in the same direction Hmm. uh in the same way so like yeah that's one weird thing about the town that i live in not really sure what that is and like it it doesn't seem like a you know civilian drone or anything like that i mean it could be a military drone i'm not exactly sure but Right. Um, you get a lot of military air traffic in this area because yeah. they usually either come from Vermont or there's a another uh, base in central New York. Should have taken that left turn at Kecksburg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and well, uh, wait, let me ask you a question. Um, does in terms of a drone, did you see any? You didn't see any methods of propulsion, though. No. Okay. While no. you were talking, I looked up egg-shaped drones. I was curious about that. Turns out they exist. Yeah. Yeah. But not when they're flying. When they're flying, the the blades come out. I mean, maybe you can't yeah. see them. But I I hadn't seen those before. But they, they're not also not the size of a Volkswagen Bug. No, and, and they make a, and they make a buzzing. Hear, yeah, yeah, you can hear a drone. My you know right. my son has two, and no matter how high it is, you hear it. Sounds like a bumblebee or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I he, guess here's, yeah. right. Yeah, no, go ahead, Forrest. I just want to quickly say two things. One is a thought that. Uh, one, I think there's two ways to look about it, to look at this. And going back to my original question to Rob, uh, doing the kitchen counter psychology, you and there's there are two ways to look at it. And I think a combination of the two. One is that uh, as some experiencers or abductees will say, they felt chosen from an early age or at some point something significant happened. They felt they were picked for whatever reason. And then they have a lifetime of experiences and ranging from all different kinds of paranormal things. Uh, Then you have on the other spectrum, end of the spectrum, is that you have people who are just observant. Somehow they see these things easier than other folks. They basically have the sight. You can learn this uh, as our uh, remote viewing sensei, Lori Williams, would say is that once you start opening up to this and and sigh and these different things, you will start to see uh, unusual things that aren't supposed to happen. The first step being is you start to notice everything that's different and anybody can do this. She said, wherever you go, just notice what's changed, what's different about this location. Once you start paying attention to that, which most people do not because they're, they're embedded into their own daily lives, and the, uh, the humdrum of that is that you will start to notice things and noticing things is sometimes what gets you noticed. But I think Rob with you is that you're, you're more in tune with this and that you probably just see a lot of, uh, here, here's the thing. Weird stuff doesn't just happen for certain people. I believe it's happening all the time, everywhere, every country. It's just what happens. That's just our world. And most people don't notice it. It's something that Edgar Casey said about spirits. He said, well, are you special? Or do the spirits come to you? He's like, no, no, there's, there's spirits of dead people walking on, walking around all over. That's just what they do. That's how it works. I can just see them. 
And and to that, to that point, he does see dead people, but everywhere uh, and, and different types of things because he was opened up to that. Uh, and whether he was uh, chosen as a, at a young age, which may have happened when, as Rich said, with his uh, f- uh, seminal event where he had a, a learning and reading disability and an angel appeared to him and said, I'm going to fix that. You will not have problems reading ever again. And then he knew that uh, he, he learned later he could absorb books by napping on them. Uh, you know, that was his seminal moment. But from then on, he could see spirits everywhere. He's like, well, that's nothing unusual. They're just there. It's just that nobody can see them because if everybody did, it would turn everything upside down. Our life mm-hmm. would have a totally different meaning. I think in your case, Rob, is that you you are, uh, you know, a, a, able to better see these things or realize them than most people. And when they happen, you notice them. And a lot of times they happen in the quiet of, uh, of, of night when you're walking to work in the early morning hours. Uh, is, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Peter, the guy with the, uh, the, the psychic medium uh, always says uh, Peter uh, James. Oh, the guy with the mustache. Uh, yeah, the guy with the, with the white hair and the black mustache would say, well, that's, uh, you know, the nighttime is their daytime and vice versa. So you're noticing these things. I'm not, sh- you know, it, there could be a blend of it where you're also then once noticed, getting back to Mothman, where uh, you were then shown things. Because Terry Lovelace did say when he was little, he was out playing ball in the backyard. He sees this giant UFO classic disc hover over him. gets very excited. Yep. And uh, he knew it was special. And then years later, he, he was still a kid, but he saw something uh, a glow out the, out the bedroom window. He goes to the window and it's outside. You know, he's in the second story. He sees the top of it. And what was interesting about that experience is what he said was, I felt privileged and special that I now got to see the top of the UFO. And specifically, they showed it to me. They knew I wanted to see the rest of it. Yeah, because he was always seeing it from the bottom and he was frustrated by that. Yeah. Mm. And they said, oh, well, you are one of our chosen people. Here's the top of the craft. And he said, ah, there there we go. But then also that uh, bit of apathy, getting back to your egg <laughs> experience. Uh, this is an express. The, the, uh, is there some kind of apathy beam that happens? Mm. Because everybody talks about that. It's just that, uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, I'm going to go take a nap. Yeah, but that's not just with UFOs. No, it's no. with It's with ghosts. It's with all that stuff. Now, we, let, Rob, you, Dennis saw this, too. I, Do you guys ever talk about it after that or or not much? Or do you still talk maybe? about it? A couple yeah. times, but not really all that much. And has he ever seen, does he have a history of seeing things or not? He, he He's told me, you know, he's he's seen a couple of ufos a couple times up okay. here because uh you know every every now and then you hear a strange story from someone like oh yeah i saw this or i saw that or you know whatever um and and it kind of makes sense because um you know living in the adirondacks it's one of the very few places that isn't light polluted in new york um even like once you get up past the the city and even you know uh into the su- the southern regions once you get past there like everywhere is light polluted but uh up here um i mean my town has an observatory it's the only i think here in um lake placid are the only people that the only places that have uh, observatories up here and Hmm. and that's just because you know there there isn't a lot of light pollution but um right being able to see them definitely helps i think (laughs) so are you um when you look back at it at all the experiences, 
Like, are you, cause there are people listening to this who are like, gosh, you know, I've never seen anything and you've seen all these kinds of weird things. And we haven't even gotten to the weirdest ones, but are you glad? Do you want it to continue or do you wish it would go away? I don't really, I, I just kind of try to go about things normally. I, I see things I've, I, I've seen things, but like my brain has a way of just kind of making it seem like it's normal. And then that like the, the memory associated with it, it is like, like an average everyday occurrence. I don't really want to experience this stuff. But it's not it's not like, oh my God, it's so scary when it happens. I'm really no, scared it's gonna never... happen again. It, it it's that it's whatever that that weird sort of apathy is that comes over you that might be caused from the phenomenon or might be your brain and body's own natural mm-hmm. protective, you know, sort of protect the psyche by by sort of clouding the impact feeling. <laughs> Did you see that, Rob? Have you seen Rango? No. Rich, you haven't seen it? No. This is an amazing film. Just really, really great film. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Came out years ago. Animation. Uh, Johnny Depp's the lead character yeah. or whatever. But there's a character in it that's one of those. And she's a very cute character. But she's one of those reptiles that does that thing where she freezes, you know, mm-hmm. like which I think is organic to an actual species. Yeah. But it reminded me of what you're saying, Rob, because it's just like when she gets freaked out, she's just like. You know, yeah. for a few seconds, but that's, you know, it's interesting, that sort of defensive thing. And the other thing is a weird comparison, but around here, around my house, we have these, uh, I don't know what kind of frogs they are, but little, you know, tree frogs or whatever. When I say little, they're actually not little. They're, um, they get fairly big, as big as like, you know, six matchbox cars stacked on each other or whatever. I'll be walking with my new, uh, rescue dog who is a Staffordshire Terrier which is technically, I guess, a pit bull and who's the sweetest thing in the world. And we'll get near one of those things and she'll get down and just be sniffing on it. And it's just like, doesn't move at all. I'm like, all I wanted to do is hop and scare the hell out of her, but they, it won't, it, it doesn't do it. But like that, that whole like freezing in place, <laughs> the fight or flight thing, you know, that's interesting. And it's, yeah. it's a, it's curious, like about that apathy, if that contributes to that, um, you know, I think about, I was watching, you know, I look at too much Reddit, but I was looking at Reddit, except for our subreddit. I never look at that, but I was, like, <laughs> I was watching, looking on Reddit like yesterday or the day before. And, you know, it was a guy on a motorcycle took a really bad spill, like a car just, he, first of all, he was speeding. He's doing like 80 and a 25 and then a truck pulled in front of him. And I don't know if that person froze, froze up like a pickup truck and he just smacked into it. And of course he had a camera, he had like a helmet camera or something goes flying or whatever. And just literally almost just never hit the, just jumped up and started walking back towards where the collision happened. And it's, that's all about that shock and the adrenaline. And you, you have no idea when you get into an accident, you don't even realize what's wrong for like an hour. And I wonder if all of that falls into that category, if the, if the paranormal apathy or the sort of like the stunned part of it or how you're perceiving it is just another natural effect. That's it's like what you're saying, Rich, that it's like, it's uh, it's part of part of your dna yeah like like it's 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 kind of like going into shock where where it's it's not what you think when you hear you know oh he went into shock right you picture someone you know frozen but it but it's but it's almost like 
or you know, you, look, we all do this when you you're walking down the sidewalk yes. and you trip, or or maybe you even fall or twist your ankle. You immediately mm-hmm. pretend that nothing is wrong. I'm fine. Oh no, I, I'm good. I'm good. And meanwhile, you, you, your your ankle hurts so bad, or you really hurt your knee. But there's that weird impulse to like just don't let the path yeah. know you're injured. And so something in your body takes over and says, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't go running around screaming because well, you yeah, see something it's, it's in the sky. Well, yeah, it's not the pack that you're worried about. It's the predator watching the pack looking for the weakest one, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Kind of like the, uh, <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the 1999 yeah. Washington State elk abduction. Um, so mm. f- let's, let's unpack That's that. That's exactly for a what I was thinking. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. It was just like that, Rob. I'm so glad you brought it up. Have you, gonna, have you ever, that was heard, where I was going. Have you ever heard the story of the 1999 no. Washington's? Okay. So 1999, these. Wait, uh, firstly, folks, were you there? No, I wasn't. Okay. Uh, okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> trying to think. Uh, in 1999, I was uh, freshman, sophomore in high school. Okay. Um, these uh, forestry workers in Washington state, um, they weren't that far from uh, Mount St. Helens, from what I understand. Uh, they were uh, seeding trees in this one area. And uh, from where they were, um, they were looking down below in kind of a little valley. And there were a bunch of elk just like hanging out. And there, there was like quite a bit of cloud cover that day. And, like punching a hole through the clouds, they see this UFO. It's kind of weird looking. It's it's they described it as flat, but like pill shaped with two different colored strips of uh, light on it. And it starts descending towards these elk and the elk just start freaking out um, until eventually this UFO corners one and then it lifts it up into the UFO and it flies off. Like with a beam, like T-shirt style. With the no, beam wow. the not oh. even, not even like that. It, it was just like the elk just started floating upwards until it ended up inside this UFO. Uh, and this wow. was seen by, I think there were like twelve of them uh, yeah. out there. But uh, the, um, I feel like the, it needs to be a Larson cartoon right away. Like, yeah, I don't uh, know what the, the line is. I'm not sure what the punchline is, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, there goes Ted. You know? <laughs> and the thing about it was, is that it wasn't any one of the guys that reported it. It was their supervisor because they were so scared about going back out there and seeing it again. So they reported it to uh, New Fork at the time. Right. They actually made a to the the uh, supervisor made a phone call to him. Uh, and I, I remember because uh, I did do a mini episode about this. Mm-hmm. I uh, at one time the audio file existed on New Fork's website, but uh, I wasn't able to find it. But uh, yeah, that was. Did you hit uh, the Wayback Machine? Uh, no, I didn't. I should have. But uh, yeah, that that's one of those just weird cases, and, and and I think the like one of the most interesting aspects of that case is like uh, there was only one of the witnesses that I think uh, produced a name, and I, I forget what his name was, but. When he was witnessing this, what he believed he was witnessing was an animal in the sky that came down and ate that elk. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. What? Yeah. You see you see what you're geared towards seeing. Yeah. What wait, Perhaps. what what okay, what's the website? Let's look. Can we look now on the Wayback? <laughs> what's the website? The, oh, the New Fork website? Yeah. Do you know it? Um 
if you let don't, me see don't if worry I can about find it. the in the mean in the meanwhile, let, let me posit another theory, which is only just now occurring to me. In all the years that Forrest and I have been doing Astonishing Legends and then coming on with you, it's like but coming back around to what I was saying a second ago, and this is getting into Suclos territory. <laughs> but, <laughs> if, but like if what if what if we have evolved or it's ingrained in us to to be calm and be that way, but just bec- because they've always been coming, they seeded us or something like that. That's it's like it's part of our DNA to get into this docile or apathetic state because that's been there since the dawn of man. I don't know. Um, Aliens. I'm you going know, with apathy beam. I'm just, <laughs> he's just going me. with apathy beam. <laughs> You're going yeah. with the apathy beam. You can he's going to copyright at, uh, that right now. Put it on a t-shirt. It's yours. Yeah. You know? Tractor supply company. Well, it, it, yeah. it certainly is growing up. That was, uh, I was admitting it naturally to, uh, in every social situation because people were just apapathetic around me. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I believe, no, I think there's something to, uh, to, to what right. Scott's saying. It's like the, uh, I guess you can get conditioned to everything. It's like an animal, uh, you know, you, I always, you know, wonder about, uh, people's pets like dogs. Uh, you know, they certainly don't, uh, they may or may not like going to the vet, but they know when that's going to happen. It's like, ah, uh, we're going to the vet, but I also know they're going to take care of me. Why doesn't every dog like go to the vet? Like, Oh my God, it's that torturing guy wearing mm-hmm. the white smock again and just freak out and bite everybody in sight. I think some some dogs realize that well yeah it's I, we're not going to the park or the beach places I love but at least I don't feel good and I think they're going to take care of me and they they maybe act a little calmer but they can certainly sense where they're going and what's going to happen uh, my friend's cat freaks out now when it smells alcohol because it associates that with going to the vet it didn't like it mm-hmm. uh, and, and so there are these triggers but uh, yeah is it is it uh, evolutionary where it's in our DNA that uh, these uh, we're about to be picked up by as pets by the people that own us. Uh, and so, yeah, don't, uh, it's like the spray they give to, uh, uh, to especially to female hogs in Esteros where they, it, it makes them freeze. It's a pheromone thing. They just like mm-hmm. stop and they freeze. Yeah. They don't know why they just, uh, they smell that it triggers something in the, in uh, with their neuro connectors and, um, uh, neural pathways and boom, they're just frozen for a few minutes. Uh, and then uh, the farmer can do stuff. That file is not on the way back. Yeah. The damn. oldest, the oldest snapshots, 2005 and it's not there. So, yeah. but thank hmm. you for sending me that link. It's very yeah. satisfying to look for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Wayback machine is great for a lot of things, you know, especially if you want to look at the old NIDS website, it's on there and it's yeah. very, very nineties looking. <laughs> uh, but uh, Rob, quickly before I forget, oh sorry, sorry, uh, just one one quick follow up question. I forgot to uh, let Rob answer. Of course, the, did your friend who saw something uh, or or said that something got tracked into her place? Uh, did they are they sensitive in a way? Uh, how did that um, come up? I mean, people that I've never not that I think I've ever tracked anything, but. You know, I forgot to I forgot to mention this because now I'm uh, it's coming back to me now. Um, mm-hmm. They did report hearing like sounds in their apartment, so mm-hmm. like uh, I think doors opening and closing and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that came from. I don't know that they were necessarily sensitive or anything like that, okay. but okay. Um, that does come to mind now. Um, yeah, yeah. 
they certainly weren't apathetic about it and and uh, didn't have to pay all that much attention because it seemed obvious but uh, right. but rich yeah you were going to uh, you're going to say something about i was going to say that um i i guess i've heard a lot of stories about people seeing ufos or like they'll wake up in the middle of the night and look out the window because there'll be a light and they'll see something very strange and then they'll just go back to bed um so so that doesn't seem to strike a chord of fear into people. But then on the other hand, people who wake up and, and aliens are in their bedroom, those stories tend to be told, you know, with, I was terrified. Yeah. Suddenly I knew That's a good point. people were in the room. It's kind of like what I was asking Rob earlier when the people were moving through his bed, was there like, a, you know, some extreme emotion connected with that fear, curiosity, whatever. Um, there are other like you know usually i think bigfoot is experienced with a degree of fear sometimes a large degree of fear a feeling that this mm-hmm. isn't right something is wrong here of course black eyed kids you know you guys did you know scott and forrest did the whole thing and i mean that that definitely comes with intense fear but just seeing a craft in the sky i don't know if i've heard a lot of people say oh yeah i mean i was so terrified and yet why not why wouldn't you be but that's not something i hear a lot no but the one thing that i will say about the current body of ufo evidence is that um the the, most people only know the major cases i mean barney hill was terrified of the yeah. object that he saw he, he like if you listen to those um uh, hypnosis tapes he is clearly terrified uh because it, it, and it's at the moment where he's looking at this object in a field through a, a pair of binoculars and he's literally screaming that he's trying to pull them away from his face but he can't like it, there's something that's you know holding him there but you're saying that feeling is something that he recalled under hypnosis but at the moment he was experiencing it yeah was he feeling oh, yeah. that fear Hmm. absolutely and and yeah. and physically yeah. reacting oh betty betty was yelling at him to got get it. back okay. in the car she was terrified too yeah and, and terry lovelace was okay frightened as well during his well i mean experience. yeah especially uh you know because i've i've read terry's book i read uh, yeah. I, i've read both his books and like you know when uh he talked about that big triangle that he saw in devil's den at first it was like a, a curiosity and then, Oh, you poked the bear because you have flashed a flashlight on it. Like not to say that that flashlight, you know, was going to change the course of anything because it didn't mm-hmm. guarantee you that, it you know, just through Terry's story, you know, that it, it was out there for him, you know, that's yeah. definitely the, the vibe that you get. But like, again, this is a valuable lesson. Don't flash SOS to a UFO. It's going to come pick you up. Like, <laughs> yeah, this well, is just the rule. Like, I've it, been yeah, over this but, twice. You yeah, know? But didn't uh, didn't Keel, John Keel say like, yeah, that's a good trick. Try that. Would, yeah, but Keel it would, it would follow t- them. Keel was telling the UFO to go up and down. He wasn't saying, hey, I mm. need help. You know, uh. because it happened to the Allagash guys, happened to Terry Lovelace. You don't need help. You don't need right. to be telling them that you, that you need help. Just, just don't don't do anything with the flashlight, okay? They, if you don't, don't know the full spectrum of Morse code, just let it go, please. Right, let it go. right. <laughs> wait, 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 Rob. So your advice is don't lick the UFO, 
and and don't don't do anything goofy with <laughs> I'm, the flashlight. I'm more a proponent for the flashlights. Listen, if you get close enough to lick that UFO, go ahead. I don't care anymore because everybody's like, <laughs> I've had so many people like, I'm gonna lick it anyway. You like, you but, go ahead. If yeah. you burn your tongue, that's not my yeah. problem. I warned you. No, so it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's such a powerful cultural imagination draw. It's like the people that come up to Terry Lovelace at his conferences when he speaks, and they're like, Terry, how how can I have uh, a, a UFO interaction. How can I get, make that happen to me? And he's like, did you just hear me talk for the last 90 minutes? Right. You, you don't want this. No. And they're like, yeah, but yeah, but how do I get mine? And yeah. And that's, what's interesting is that we're, we're kind of drawn to it, but also oh, uh, I started friendly. listening to uh, you and Rob uh, Rich talking about the Laguna Hills case. I haven't gotten oh, the, all the way through it yet. I, I the Tahunga yeah, Canyon. Yeah. The, sorry, the Tahunga Canyon uh, case where the uh, is it Deb? I can't remember who the uh, the abductee is. Uh, yeah, who wrote I think the that's book. one of them. Yeah, yeah. It, that uh, yeah. and here's also it ties in with Terry in that when Terry was a kid, they would appear to him as a group of four. Uh, circus monkeys with mm. more human-like bodies. Here's the other weird. Th- yeah, Rich, you got to read these these books. It's it's uh, it's mind blowing. But uh, you know, in, in his bedroom, they just kind of appeared, uh, started coming out of the shadows in his bedroom. Here's the weird thing. He described them as wearing like paper pie, yeah. paper plate, you know, or or uh, uh, pie tins, basically uh, a paper plate like mask over their faces, and on top of that, there were eye hole cutouts where they had these blazing yellow eyes but through the eye hole eye hole cutouts but the the mask was animated in a way in that he could see expressions on their faces yeah but it was still a mask hiding Mm -hmm. what was underneath and when we asked which he definitely felt like was a monkey yeah yeah yeah, and the monkey men yeah yeah Yeah. they're they're, they're, because that was the image that they wanted to portray to him like come on terry come play with us all your friends will be there and it's like everything luring, uh, you know, it's like, come with us. Oh, and, and he did for a while or he, uh, he, they felt, uh, his, his cousin who also his cousin was approached by small clowns that came into his bedroom because mm-hmm. that's what they thought he would most likely respond to and be calm with. And then at one point though, what was interesting with Terry, and this is, this is going to tie in with the, uh, Tahunga case, uh, Terry started realizing as a, even as a kid, it's like, I don't think I want to go with you. No, because it's, it's scary and it's weird. And yeah, sometimes it's fun, but no, I don't want to go with you. And then this is the interesting part. Their expressions change. And that's the chilling part where they're like, Oh no, you can't say no. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe we need your permission. But as soon as he said, no, that not this time, I'm not going with you. Everything changed. And then the tactics were different and not to give too much away, but uh, getting to the Tahunga case, uh, she wrote a book saying, uh, which, which whose title is how to defend yourself from alien abductions. Right. Yeah. And it was largely because of that. And yeah, Andrew, oh, that was largely because of that case, because there was one of the witnesses that said, all I did was hum in my head and I made a sound that was more intense than the sound that they made. And uh, they backed off. And wow. that like set uh, a good portion of her career to like, and and if you go into the old like uh, flying saucer reviews and stuff like that, she's writing articles about um, can you defend yourself against these things? Uh, mm-hmm. And 
uh, aside from uh, the uh, she she wrote a great biography of James McDonald, who uh, was mm-hmm. kind of the uh, he was kind of the Heineck guy in the '60s, but like uh, pushing for more uh, open science and and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that in in these cases. And he kind of just like basically got on Jay Allen Heineck's case a lot about like you know. Uh, dude, you're you're the man behind the curtain. Why don't you, uh, you know, it's just like g- get more involved, like uh, uh, really change the face of this stuff. So, like, yeah, like it, that case is so damn fascinating, the Tonga Caney case, just because like it's not a familial case, and this is. The, the the Tahunga Canyon book was published in 79 or 80, somewhere around there, uh, back when, you know, uh, abductions were were not this like thing that followed family lines. You were about a year before uh, Bud Hopkins published Missing Time. So it's the only case that I've seen like it where it, it was literally because these people had a relationship with this one woman that they ended up having these weird experiences, uh, whether they were romantic relationships or friendships, it was just very weird. And I, I, I've never seen a case like that, uh, since, you know? Yeah. It was considered a contagion at, like, like sort of from one person to the next, but it wasn't, it's not what you think. It wasn't because somebody told right. a scary story and then someone decided right. to one up them. This was, this was without actual, uh, verbal contact. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Um, I was looking at Druffle's book. I wasn't familiar with her. I feel like we should send a copy of this to Terry. Um, um, uh, th- he must have read it. She always had these fascinating yeah. cases that uh, that she would um, present. There was uh, one case that uh, I think I sent the specifics to you uh, wherein uh, Somewhere in Southern California, this UFO researcher and his buddy, they were leaving his um, a friend's house that night. And as they were going back to their car, uh, they turned on their headlights and there was a brain sitting yeah. in the middle of the road. And it <laughs> was able to float yeah. and right. it communicated with the, the main witness. And like this main witness was like, Hey, I got to take my buddy home first and then, and then we'll deal with this. <laughs> so he, he goes and he, and, and like, the thing is, is like, there's one brain and then there's a smaller brain that, that they see, but he goes home and in his uh, driveway, he has this like abduction, like experience on the ship. Um, there are brain, the brains are used as a communication mm-hmm. device. And the funny thing is, is that one is bigger than the other and he learns that the reason that one is bigger than the other is, you know, they, they, as they, you know, age, they get bigger. And apparently this one was close to retirement <laughs> age. So, um, you know, that is what it is. But, uh, you know, he, he had this like profound experience in which, uh, you know, he was talking about uh, the aliens were talking about nuclear war. They were showing him all these images and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, his main takeaway was that now this this thing was lying to me. Mm. Oh, wow yeah so um and Druffle definitely had some of the best cases out there uh yeah it, it was in uh palos verdes mm-hmm. um I've been uh, uh at the end of the street a uh, uh, street called dapple gray mm-hmm. lane dapple gray lane mm-hmm. rich i think you need to go find it wow isn't this near where 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive by, take a picture of the street. Rich, sign. let's uh, Tiger Woods yeah. flipped his car. Palace Murders. No, <laughs> no, I think that was that was in the hills. Uh, yeah, I can't remember where, but uh, it was a canyon uh, setting where he was. Yeah, he was doing like ninety. I know it was near crash the Terranea Resort. Isn't that in? Oh, Palos was it? Virtus? Yeah, yeah. So for, so Orange County. Yeah, that's Palos Verdes. Yeah, that's right over there. Whether that's, oh, really? Yeah, uh, it's that's close to Dapple Gray Lane. Hmm, yeah. Well, Rich, uh, let's make it a lunch date. Uh, we'll uh, go down there. Yeah, the problem is living in LA. It's going to take you four hours to get there. Um, yeah, everything probably. is. Uh, it's literally, it's literally the last house on the street because uh, it, it is. I I was. It, this was in nineteen. 19- 71 it was a dead end street yeah. then uh, i'm sure it's probably still a dead end street now so yeah right at the end i have this image of Forrest and i going there and like go, going to that house getting out taking a few pictures you know just to send you guys and somebody coming out and going <laughs> what are you guys doing because <laughs> their brain the brain's here. not here <laughs> it's like we get two three of you Two, three of you every week come yeah. by here because of the brain. All right. What do you want? I didn't see the brain. That was decades ago. Yeah. I, I got that street. reaction when I drove by the Tony and Rosemary LaBianca house. That's not too far from my place in Los Feliz. Uh, and uh, I, I had uh, just moved into the neighborhood, probably been there just a couple of years and started reading uh, the family. Um and uh the, the book on the mansons and uh i said god that wait a second that that waverly that sounds not too far from me you know within a mile maybe so drove past there and you get to you know counting the the street numbers and people were outside doing uh i don't think it was the owners but it was they were outside just doing uh uh garden work and uh, some landscaping and everybody turned around and gave me that slow horror movie look like <laughs> and, and I just like kind of I didn't stop I didn't get out to take pictures I just kind of stopped I looked at them and it's just like they all kind of looked up at me and it's like we know why you're here it's like okay thanks fellas uh, I'm actually here to go look at the uh, yeah. the uh, the monastery next door which now belongs to Katy Perry which um, was didn't happen at the time but um, yeah you did get the weird stuff I think if Rich and I went down there uh, you um, if it's oh. Is that the one right above uh, Cliff's Edge, uh, that uh, restaurant? I think that's right there because it's like right no, above No, no, no. This, right? uh, this is near Los Feliz Boulevard. So, uh, yeah, oh, there, there's, there's another Katy Perry okay. uh, nunnery somewhere that she owns. But does just, yoga. <laughs> she's buying up monasteries uh, all yeah. over the place. Like Bigelow is buying up yeah, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. For the record, Tiger did crash within seven miles of where this happened. Oh, okay. Um, in Rancho's Palos Verdes. So, well, like, did he talk about seeing? <laughs> yeah. Was and, there a well, I mean, I don't road? know if he would was come there, out and say he, that. Did he? Dapple Gray Lane so is for, still for there. Us, um, and for us up here, the the closest equivalent that we have, uh, and, and it's in like Vermont, technically. Um, there's the um, this um, abduction case that happened in 1968 on Lake Champlain. Uh, at this uh, all girls call uh like um, summer camp uh, on Buff Ledge, and the woman uh who owns the property now because it was shut down like a, a long time ago uh, talks about how people uh you know come up there looking for like the old docks mm-hmm. and the stuff like that, but 
Uh, the cool thing is, is like this article right here from the Colchester Sun. Uh, hmm. it, it briefly touches on the abduction that happened there and and, and stuff. It's uh, there's the view. By the way, there's the view at the end of Dapple Gray Lane too. I'm sending you that link. Hmm. Hmm. Still a dead. Uh, well, I mean that that's interesting. There Let's is something to it. I know it didn't happen before, but the the time yep. that I. I think the first time I went roaming around, because it's also not too far from my neighborhood, is one of our very early shows with Rich. And we talked about Orfeo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Angelucci, Orfeo Angelucci. And his experience, mm-hmm. a lot of that happened yeah. on the banks of the LA River, not too far from us. And yeah, it's not, uh, there's no residue, there's no Delphus ring still laying around. But when you go there, there's something kind of special and magical about being in the same. Uh, in a kind of a vertical plane way about being in an area where something pretty magical and weird happened before, even though there's no noticeable trace, but there is a bit of a palpable feel. And and when I went down there, uh, you know, there used to be a drive-in theater there. It's no longer uh, around there, but there's something really interesting about it. Uh, when you, when you go there and you know that something at a moment in time and space, something pretty extraordinary happened. If you believe that person that, uh, you know, mm. I love how you how you're calling it like a uh, a vertical plane kind of feeling. It's now we're now using vertical plane as like yeah. a way to describe yeah. a feeling when you're I, in a place where a thing <laughs> happened in the past and you and you and you want a connection I or feel, you feel a connection. Yeah. I feel compelled to point plane. out that this is related to a book that we have done a two part thing with Rich on, but it hasn't run yet, so none of our listeners right. are going to know anything about it. But that's the vertical plane right there. Yeah, if, if, you, if you can see. Oh, that's a dope yeah. book. <laughs> that is a dope oh, book. yes, that's the that's the I did, I did. I've made lots and lots of notes in here. Yeah, dog eared. Um, to be fair, I I make uh, generally a lot of notes. In, the the in problem, the Rob, books is that, that when have. Rich gave this to us, it was like forty bucks, and now it's going for five to seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. we'll get you. We'll get. I you, ruined uh, it. I've ruined yeah. it. <laughs> get you a cup. <laughs> Well, again, no, no. I think I think the fact that you put your personal yeah, notes right, in it, yeah, that right. was worth two thousand. Yeah. If to yeah. my well, mom, it's, um, <laughs> it was kind of like the um, the the uh, the Buff Ledge book because it, there wasn't a lot of editions of it printed. It was uh, written by uh, an investigator named Walter Webb, who um, his his biggest claim to fame is that he was the first UFO researcher to talk to Betty mm-hmm. and Barney Hill, but. Uh, I remember like looking online for copies of, uh, I think it's called, you know, UFO encounter at Buff Ledge or something like that. And it was like going for a hundred something books. Yeah. uh, Yeah, You know, when he leaves camera, he's coming back with the thing you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I I remember, (laughs) uh, it was a couple of years ago and, um, I had just actually purchased a copy from QFOS. They mm-hmm. had an extra one just lying around. Um it's a high and uh the uh the guy that was running it, Mark Rodiger, he um yeah he uh wow I asked him, I was like, hey do you have any copies of this book lying around? And he, at first he responded back and he's like no and he's like you know what, Rob? I did manage to find one. I found a couple. Wow. It's like uh $15 and it's yours. I was like you got it man. Wow. <laughs> so I I got that and like Maybe uh, a year after I got it, there were copies going online for less than twenty dollars, and I'm like, I'm gonna snatch up right. a few of these. Well, I'm looking they're, now. They're it's have. on. 
It's on uh, Amazon. There's four for three hundred and thirty dollars. There's one for a yeah. hundred. That's yeah. like the cheapest one. And then at Abe Books, there's two copies. One's one fifty mm-hmm. and one's one eighty. It, it's they're they're yeah. UFO Bitcoin. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah. When when they they're yeah, worth a dollar. Yeah. Well, we should guys. We should we should all invest in all the remaining mm, copies of yeah. Vertical Plane. I know, right? <laughs> and Go. and just just hold just hold on to them. And if anyone wants hold, copies, they have to come on. to us and they <laughs> go for like half a million yeah. apiece. Oh yeah, somebody's oh, yeah. photocopied it. I'm sure somewhere it's got to be out there. But it's interesting how many people once you hear about it, it's one of those stories that people desperately want to read the book they want a copy of it it's just it, it, that that is uh look you know, nobody's uh clamoring for things that are you know there's so many copies of they're just everywhere and there it's you'll never be without a copy but ken webster's book is uh that's it for a while which is weird there there was talk i think in 2019 probably got zapped by covid of producing a documentary or movie about it and at that time there were people thinking like, okay, well then that'll spark a reprinting of it. And it's just weird that uh, with such a book like this, no one's considering doing a reprint, seeing how uh, easy and cheaper, much cheaper it is nowadays to, to print up uh, hard copy books. But speaking of reprintings and stuff like that, do y'all find it strange that it's Tor Books that does the reprinting of the Mothman prophecies today. You're talking about a, a you know a book imprint that does science fiction and fantasy, mm-hmm. and then there's this oddball you know set of a, uh, in, encounters, and it's like they they have it that that that's always been very strange because I think like uh, every other because um, there's a few editions of um, a few different books that. Uh, you know, have been re-released. I think the anomalist is the one are the ones that have published mm-hmm. most of them, but it's like, what is it about yeah. tour books that they have the Mothman prophecies? <laughs> I've always, I've always wondered. Yeah. That's interesting, Nick. No, I don't no, know. The other one, it's interesting who uh, collects these things and then uh, I guess owns it. The the one that I, I've talked to Rob about, I think when one of our uh, last roundtables a few years ago is the, UFO TV, who seems to have snatched up a ton of these old documentaries mm-hmm. on three quarter inch. They're based here. Rich, come on down to the west side. We'll go to uh, Venice, where their office is, right on Abbott Kinney, uh, for those of you who know the area. And whoever that entity is, that company, they're, they bought up all these really cool documentaries that I was renting for a long time. And uh, they you, you always start off with their little uh, promo of a uh, CGI. And this is what's interesting too. It is the, uh, it's all these spaceships and things you would see in a sci-fi movie. And I had this thought the other day, it's uh, I just saw some, uh, some pretty cool uh, sci-fi uh, spaceships, uh, CGI that you could buy. I think uh, weirdly as a stock for your game or backgrounds, if, if you wanted, but all the sci-fi imaginings of spaceships and other worlds, and uh, in as cool as the spaceships are, they're all still based on an old fashioned idea of sci fi in that there's always flames coming out the back. It's always uh, very physical, modular. And then you talk to people who said, no, no, there was a, a big saucer with a dome and there's a big brain flying there. And it was throbbing and then lights were flashing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's not much like how 
we still envision in a sci-fi way what spaceships and outer space is like is that it's it's so much more uh i guess simple in a way but uh yeah it doesn't look like anything from star wars uh even uh, star trek probably gets it closer uh, but yeah, it's all these other concepts of how we go about thinking about it, but it's none of it's really taken from uh, people's real reactions. And then you wonder anyway about like UFO TV, that's their opening. Uh, but uh, we just mentioned this before about uh, an old three quarter inch tape documentary. And what's great about this is that they are often sources of interviews for people that are no longer with us. Uh, the artist who, who whose friend was a nurse at... Uh, at Roswell, I believe, and saw, she claimed she saw part of the alien bodies as they were being brought in to be autopsied. And a hand slips out, and there are four very long fingers with tiny suction cups at the end. Horrible smell, gotta have the smell. And she told that to her, her friend, who now is this artist, and he's on uh, camera, and I, you know, it's all three-quarter inch tape. It's not great looking, but it, it'll do. It, it captured him well enough, and he gives his account you also have a, I think in the same documentary, an interview with, uh, the. it's always somebody who's some related. It's the nurse, the longtime, long-term care nurse who took care of the woman who was one of the uh, anthropology students or geology students that was that had claimed to have been out near Roswell on uh, Mac Brazel's ranch and saw part of the wreckage. And then the, the military comes up and... Uh, has them face the rock and grills them and says, if any of you ever talk, you know what's going to happen to you. The rock was there? No. Uh, uh, well, oh, he yeah, comes man. in uh, He comes in flying a helicopter. <laughs> He's clean to the bottom of the helicopter, comes in and saves the day. You have to go yeah. over there and talk to the rock now. <laughs> right. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I would, I would love to well, talk I'm, to Oh, I'm sure, well, Rich, I mean, like I'm sure you can get that fan. arranged pretty easily with a, a, a pitch for yeah. uh, San Andreas 2. Uh, maybe this one will do better. So, but the idea is that you you have these, they're testaments of, uh, that are in these documentaries of people on camera telling their stories and they're not going to uh, be anywhere else. They're, they're great uh, archival records of these people. And so the woman, yes, it wasn't her. She passed away, but it was, she told all this to her nurse before she died that, yeah, I, I saw wreckage there and the, and the army came and uh, there were two crashes. It seemed it's all these details told to one person and that person's on camera and that's all we got. Uh, you know, and now UFO so, TV owns okay. all of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Not to uh, derail us by getting, we've done two of Rob's hand. like 40 stories. I, yeah. <laughs> we've done two of them. I want to hear this story and I, I, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, cue it up without spoiling it, but, but you saw what, I guess some people would call a cryptid. Mm -hmm. And I I think you know what I'm talking about. And I would love to hear you tell that story and just everything about it. I again, walked to work early one morning. It was August, 2012, somewhere around there. And my first uh, original job, in the place where I work, I was a custodian. I worked the 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. shift. It was a, it was a great shift because, um, you know, for the first uh, few hours, nobody was around. You could just get your work done and, you know, usually got done early anyway. But it was a, I, it was a warm, muggy morning. 
I remember that. But uh, it was usually around this time that you would start to see, you know, deer and stuff just uh, out. Um, and, and like they they come into town, you, they get pretty close. Um, but, uh, you know, on the usual walk to work, the usual route, I would uh, turn down Second Street, which um, yeah, it really it, it actually made my trip longer to to then going like the traditional route that I go now it actually added about 5 or 6 minutes but uh turn down the street and uh it's kind of dark there's plenty of lighting down there but even still for like a a street it's kind of dark but all the way down at uh toward the end of the street because um where it is uh and where this uh house is it kind of dips down after that. Um, and uh, that, that's kind of like the furthest point before the road dips down at the end. But uh, I'm pretty observant. I, I you know, I'll, I'm always like looking out um, just to, I don't know, maybe it's paranoia or something. I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm just always like kind of looking to the side and stuff. And like that's that. why you, that's why uh, you I'm, see I'm, stuff. Uh, that was my earlier point. You, you pay I, attention. Well, the thing is, is like, um, and I see it like even every day when I'm at work and people are in the middle of a hallway and they're not talking and they just have no idea about their surroundings. They're just in the middle of that conversation. Um, that That's the thing with me is like I can have a conversation, but I'm also aware of my surroundings. Situational awareness is what they call me. it in martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I saw something down on the, you know, toward the end of the street on this one lawn. So I just assumed it was a deer because it, it did seem a little bit larger. So I'm walking down. If, if you know me, like, uh, you know, the people that are close to me, they know I have headphones on all the time. Uh, so, you know, had my Bose headphones on and uh, was listening to some music and just uh, walking down the street, minding my own business. And I get to this one person's lawn and the animal's still there. And I looked at it and, I, and, and at first I didn't know what the hell I was looking at because it was, it was bent over first, but like y- you see, you know, deer, you see foxes, you see, sometimes you see, uh, it's rare. You, you can hear coyotes mm. sometimes when you, you know, howling, but, um, you pretty much see everything. Like most of the time it's either deer um, foxes sometimes, skunks. That's about it. Neighborhood cat. So I just kind of stopped. I was about twenty five feet away from this thing. It's bent over on this person's lawn, and then maybe a second or two after I stop, it stands up, and that's when I noticed that it was standing on two feet. And from that backside, I could see like this tail that it was kind of, it was like a fatter on uh, where it joined Mm -hmm. the body and it kind of thinned out and it came up a bit. And I want to say this thing stood about maybe like five feet tall. Wasn't incredibly tall, but then it just like turned over and looked (laughs) at me and it, and it was like, you know, had this like uh, half turned look at me and it looked for maybe, no more than five seconds. But 
uh, it also had something in its hand and I didn't know what it was. And um, when I had Desdemona make the image for this, I, I, I basically said it looked like a, almost like a white round object. That's the best way I could describe it, but it turned around and it looked at me and, and, and the, the features of the face is really what got me because like I've, I've read, you know, lizard man sightings, you know, lizard man escape mm-hmm. or swamp and, and, and stuff like that. And like the, the facial features are kind of very like, they're very reptilian like mm. in, in a way, like maybe the mouth is, you know, extended out a little bit or maybe the eyes are a little bit bigger. Its face was very human like um, its eyes were smaller. They weren't um, huge. They were more human like didn't really have much of a nose, but you could definitely see, you know, uh, nose holes in it. Uh, small mouth. But it was just standing there looking at me and like the expression on its face was curiosity, but also like uh, the look of someone who is, you know, trying to like measure someone up, trying to see if like, you know, it, it, this per- is this person mm-hmm. a threat or are they, you know, um, or am I fine? So it stared at me for about five seconds and like, I didn't move. I, I was just kind of anchored to the spot probably because, you know, in in my head, I think I was thinking like, if I, if I make a move, is it going to move towards me? I don't know. I wasn't a hundred percent scared though. Like startled. Yes. Scared. No, I don't, I don't know why either. I don't know if, that's just something that um, this being was was giving off, like, you know, some, like, calming sense or whatever. But, you know, stared at me for five seconds, and then it turned and ran up into this person's yar- yard and into their backyard. And, um, like, it slopes up the yard there. Like, it, it slopes up maybe five feet or so. So... Uh, whatever it was, was uh, athletic enough. I- I'm pretty sure that whatever that thing was probably could have killed <laughs> me if it wanted to. And like, and it ran, aw- it ran away on two feet or four two. feet. Like I, uh, it didn't, it didn't like take its hands and try mm-hmm. to grab up on, on, you know, onto this person's yard. It ran up it like a, human and I remember bullet. you describing it, a lot like uh, maybe the bottom half being like a kangaroo of sorts, that long, thick tail. Was it thicker towards the bottom? The the tail aspect, okay. yes. Um, the the legs were pretty normal, mm. um, very human looking. Um, I forget who showed me that image that I gave to you guys when we did uh, Arcopalooza, yeah. but um, somebody messaged me and was like, "Dude," uh, because I had shared yeah. that story on another yeah. podcast and. And he's like, this is very similar. I was like, yeah, there are a lot of similarities to it. Um, but um, the legs weren't as thick and the, and the facial features weren't that exaggerated. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, there are a lot of similarities to it. Because somebody, and I can't remember where this came up. It, it could have been just on Reddit. And I think maybe we shared it amongst ourselves. Uh, somebody seeing a bipedal with two legs and maybe a tail, but a white albino looking crocodile human person with a uh, more of a human mm-hmm. body, two legs, 
standing upright, uh, but with a, and the, the may not have had a tail, but what you described, Rob, you know, being really thick towards uh, where it joins the body uh, and thinning out towards the end. Uh, but the person, uh, this creature, whatever it was, had a kind of a longish reptilian snout, but was all white and, mm-hmm. but still, yeah, bipedal yeah. in that. Um, it's interesting that uh, it, it is human-like, but also like an animal in that its first reaction is to size you up to see if you're a threat. Whereas uh, mm-hmm. humans, we do it, but we're, we know we don't do well in a, uh, a fight without weapons. So uh, our natural instinct is to, you know, do we have to run now or? You know. I, somebody in our circle of friends, maybe it was you, Rich. I don't know who it was. Somebody, it was either an email or text said that they wanted to call this a mangaroo. And I'm, I'm on board with that. A mangaroo. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. So I, now I can't remember who came up with it, but I like mangaroo. <laughs> But but it walked. Yeah. It didn't. Um, wait 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 yeah. wait. I like what that. Town I think I, I think I again, Rob. Where Sarah? you live? What yeah. that I live in? Tupper Lake. Tupper, right? So yeah. the the Mangaroo of Tupper Lake. That's what this needs to be, right? Or the Tupper Lake Mangaroo. Which one is it? We need to call Seth Breedlove and see how we should best title this. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the yeah it's yeah the, the Tupper, Tupper Lake, Lake Mangaroo. Yeah. There it is, right there. Okay, it's right be the place it first. The Tupper Lake yep, Mangaroo. There you go. Um. I, I just like to go on the record and say that I am flattered that this thing looked at me for five seconds to see if I was a threat. Because, you know, schlubby fat dude uh, early in the morning, yeah. don't think that's much of a threat. Yeah. But this thing, it gave me the time of day, and right. I just appreciate that's, it. That's another thing that they often say is that the the, the weirdo creature is surprised as well. It's not yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rob. You don't know, Rob, right now, the mangaroo is yeah. on its own podcast <laughs> yeah. telling the it same story. Weird. It yeah. didn't, like, instead of I saw ears, this fat dude. instead of ears, it had these big bulbs on the side of its head. Which, which yeah. I believe it used to communicate with the mothership. It's an electronic yep. helmeted device. <laughs> and, and we don't see the antennas so much anymore, but we do see people walking around and uh, they're usually red. There's a, I think there's a logo with a B on it for uh, maybe their beats. I don't know. Yeah, them describing how weird we are. That's the old. Uh, that's the old meme. But you know, like I said, even the weirdest creature. Uh, there was a great uh, episode of uh, Ryan Sprague's podcast, uh, "Somewhere in the Skies," in where he describes mm-hmm. uh, another guy who's had several, and not a lot, maybe three or four, but major weird paranormal things happen to him, and he was just telling his stories. And uh, one of them was a guy in a stream, I think, fly fishing with his brother. And this creature just just appeared like six to seven feet tall, uh, bipedal, but with a praying mantis like head. Again, another another Mm -hmm. very common trope. Uh, And it just appeared in the stream. And he and his brother saw this. And of course, that's not just a moment of calm. They're freaking out. They're not prepared for this. They're like, what? And this thing also turned and looked at them and was like, well, what? What are, you, what are you guys doing? Like, I'm not either. You're not supposed to see me. And I can't believe that I just appeared or yeah. I don't know where I am. And what are you guys? Right. And what are those long rods with the filament? What, what are you going to do to me? So it looked just as surprised. And it was that locked moment of like, is anybody going to do anything? Is it, are we going to do stuff? What's happening? And then it, uh, and then it yeah. vanishes. And the brother, of course, runs, just drops everything, runs back to the truck, 
we'll never go fishing again. It's just one of those things that's so uh, traumatic that people just stop with their do. You know, Muchalot Harry left his hunting equipment yeah. in the in the brush, <laughs> hair turned white. That's it. You folks can have all that. Uh, I'm just going to go work at the Frogo place uh, in town. I will never go hunting again. You know, and this guy's a bred and born trapper. It's just, you know, you, you wonder about that. It's just like, okay, that's a long ways to go and a long ruse to keep up. If you're just pulling everyone's leg, something was something. Yeah. Um, there's a, like going through the UFO literature, there are those cases, like you can kind of divide them into two categories. One of them is the the person that was in the right place at the mm-hmm. right time. And they saw this really weird looking thing or like, uh, you know, there's, there's been so many different uh, types described. And then there are those ones that it just seems like the person's being led somewhere yeah. or uh, it's specifically <clears throat> targeted to them because uh, there's one fascinating case from Spain uh, called the Sori abduction. And uh, the the interesting thing is, is that the aliens that abducted this guy were very human-like. And uh, uh, I shared images of this on Twitter a few months ago, but the, the interesting thing is, is like the aliens look like um, Tyler Strand from the Hellier documentaries with just like a really long yes. fin. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, essentially this guy was going out hunting uh, and he had his dog with him. And the thing was, is like, uh, you know, he was driving along a certain way, but he was like, uh, I, I, I should be driving in a different direction, but no, I'm being uh, led in this direction. So he stops at this restaurant very early in the morning, like five, five thirty in the morning. Funny thing is, this restaurant never opened at five, five thirty in the morning. But this guy talked about how he went into this restaurant and there was some really weird looking people that were working there that day. And. You know, he orders this thing and, and this uh, really strange waiter says, hey, you should go hunting over here. That's a, that's a perfect mm. place. Go hunting in this area. So he goes hunting in that area. And before long, these aliens approach him. They bring him on the ship uh, and, and they uh, go a whole, you know, all over the place and stuff like that. But uh, that's like th- those stories are endlessly fascinating and uh i don't want them to happen to me ever uh, <laughs> well <laughs> ever ever uh, yeah we we've oh go ahead so so this creature so the, the well the mangaroo yeah. um the tupper the tupper lake mangaroo okay so please the tupper lake mangaroo yeah. yes the t- thank you the tupper lake mangaroo um and and, and again like it sounds like for a minute you were a little bit alarmed, scared, a little bit sort of ready in case it made an aggressive move. Um, so would you say like like this was the, the scariest of the events? Uh, yeah, probably. But like, look, look at me, man. What, what the heck am I going to do against something like that? Something that is clearly built better, right here. quicker, just, faster you get, than me. You pick the right track, slowly take your headphones off and offer them. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the option here. Like, you know, like it, this is my, you know, back to the future. Yes. Yeah. Um, there you go. Moment. Like, you know, that looking sound you're looking for, <laughs> listen to this. And then it says, dude, your, yes. your taste in music sucks. I am. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I, again, taking, taking this incident in context with all the others, I'm just curious as, as more and more things happen, when they happen, do you think it's happening again? 
like, or or do you or, or, like? Is there any association like like? Ooh, I'm getting that weird feeling. I'm getting that weird tingling down my left arm. Oh wait, that's a heart attack. But you know what I mean? Is there any sort of like? Oh, this feels mm. like all those other ones. Or ooh, it's ha- like I'm having another weird experience. Oh my god, I can picture myself telling uh, Scott and Forrest and Rich about this. You know, it, does it or is it very singular in a vacuum? Uh, locked off, and then only later do you attach it to your all your experiences. Each experience is its own mm. thing. It doesn't feel a one way or the other. It's just it feels like an event that happened. That's it. Like uh, it doesn't it, it it doesn't feel special mm-hmm. in any way. It, like it, it's just wow. It, it's just so wow. Because like my brain in my brain when I think about it later it feels very just mundane. It just feels normal. It just feels like it's just something that happened to you. And uh, you you go along with like the normalcy of your life. You had this one moment that kind of took you out of that for a second. And uh, maybe it showed you something uh, different that uh, exists out there, but it's just normal. Uh, Like that's, I tell you, that's so unlike with me. Every time I, every time I have that first sip of a drink, every time I eat pancakes, every time I get lucky with my wife, I'm like, I yeah. can't believe this is happening. Especially when all three are uh, involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich, you want to wow. know why none of this? That's that's a little thing we call <laughs> pancakes my and you, the rest. Rich, you want to know why you've never experienced anything? Uh oh. It's because you're a scaredy cat. Why? That's why you, you're you're an absolute scaredy cat. <laughs> so scared! Oh my god, I yeah. would not yeah. survive. I mean, maybe that's something to do with it because, like, I I can't point to an experience and say, uh, you know, just for me and the sensory data that I'm getting when it's happening that I've ever really been scared, uh, startled, yes. yes, scared, no, like, um. I think the only time that I can uh, uh, point to something w- in which I was scared was, um, you know, weeks after my first UFO sighting. So my first UFO sighting was uh, probably around 97, 98. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 90, 1997. Uh, I was uh, going to bed probably about 9, 9.30 at night. Uh, my sister had moved out of her house around that time. So I moved into her bedroom. And we had placed my bed right by the window and uh, just getting ready for bed that night. And uh, I turned off the lights and I I, I looked outside and up at the sky, you could see an orange light and it was there for a few seconds. And then it turned off and then like over here, it would appear and turn back on. And then turn off, back over here, turn on. And it did this for, I saw it for maybe like a minute. And then um, lost interest in it, went to bed. You know, it was a yeah. thing. Uh-huh. And then uh, three three to four weeks later, and, and I, I actually, you know, uh, Googled uh, this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries is uh, one of the most monumental shows mm-hmm. to my childhood 
and my parents let me watch it when I was like five and six, and I don't understand why. Like <laughs> because, I, I, I remember because asking. It led to all of us being friends. That's why. Yeah, clearly, all of, clearly for all of us. Clearly, Robert Robert Stack's terrifying visage led us to become the the greatest of friends that yeah. we are. Uh, but like, I I asked my mother one day, and I'm like, Mom, why did you let me watch this show? Because the two pivotal shows, there was Rescue 911 mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, Unsolved Mysteries on Friday yeah. night. And and she was just like, you love that show. You lived for that show. Like, you waited for that show to come on. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell was wrong with me then? Okay. Um, but, but it was like three weeks later. And they had this um, UFO special where they re-aired a lot of older clips. But... One clip that was new that I remember distinctly was the Allagash Inductions. Mm. Rich, we covered mm-hmm. that, and I talked about how that was like a childhood fear. Oh, yeah. That's where that childhood oh. fear came from because it was watching that three weeks after I had had that experience. And I'm like, wait, people, I totally forgot that people get abducted by these things. Did I get abducted by this thing? What the hell? I just remember having this deep fear in, in, in me, like, oh my God, that happens to people when they see yeah. things. Like, did that happen to me? And and for the longest time afterwards, I had a fear of the gray aliens. I remember, like, I would not take a shower at night. I uh, would take a shower generally in the afternoon after I'd get home because um, I would have this image in my head that if I threw open the curtain, there'd be an alien standing mm. right there. Um, I... Oh. I, I had that thought quite a quite a few times. And and funny enough, in 2012, there's a great uh, uh, comic book. And if you have never read it, you need to get your hands on it. It's called uh, Saucer Country. Mm-hmm. It's uh, by a guy named uh, Paul Cornell. He uh, he's written for like Doctor Who back in the day uh, and, and stuff. Yeah, I, I actually think he wrote for like the newer series back when uh, David Tennant was mm-hmm. the doctor and you know this it, it, it's a comic about how this um woman who was i think governor of new mexico um she was running for president at the time but she had been experiencing alien abductions and there's this one uh that there's these few panels of her in the shower and she thinks she's seeing you know aliens on the other side of the curtain she throws back the curtain and it's three towels hanging on a rack and i'm like ah yeah i remember having that Mm -hmm. fear for Mm -hmm. a while but it was that episode of unsolved mysteries that uh ruined my life (laughs) it ruined my life basically well (laughs) well let me ask you this though and uh i was just thinking about this in hierarchies of realities you could say you have uh, and it's funny somebody who was kind of trolling us uh, he was kind of he was kind of a, a friend on twitter of sorts but uh, I, certainly a gadfly who would kind of poke at us and in a good uh, natured way and we didn't mind it at all uh, but was uh, questioning our statements for uh, a long time a lot listening through them and one was uh, you know i said well that seems to be something that's more supernatural than paranormal and he's like well i don't know i don't think there's any difference or i've never heard of a difference mm. and it's like well there is a difference in thought and that uh again i, I we've dug this article up and posted it on our website uh, pertaining to different episodes but uh there is one uh 
website that does a pretty good explanation because it's not official. Uh, there's no official definition, I don't think, other than uh, you could say paranormal events are things that happen that may have a, a rational scientific backing to them. They involve physics, as we may not know, but some sort of higher level physics that we may one day know and we may one day understand how some of these things work, like cryptids or Bigfoot or even UFOs. Those seem to be beings. Uh, and then there's another level, which is supernatural, which goes beyond. Uh, that's in the realms of magic, where it goes beyond the laws of physics that we may never understand, because that happens to be the realm of our souls and our and our spirits and, and something that is... Um, I would say that supernatural is something that deals within the realm of spirit. But then there's a crossover with possibly the UFO realms of a lot of people claiming that UFOs are connected to some kind of a spirituality. And you may, you know, people think they're demons. I mean, aliens exhibit demonic behavior and it may be a ruse. Back to what I was saying. So in my whole theory of hierarchies of abnormal experiences, you could say in general, uh, you have at the top, I believe, the supernatural, then the paranormal. In between those two, you may have something like the UFO abduction experience, which maybe blends the two. Uh, but it going, getting back to Rob, and because this show is about Rob, it, we're just here for color and, and fodder, uh, because we need to crack <laughs> open the the uh, the juicy walnut that is Rob. And getting back to your experiences, though, you said like you had nothing that uh, really scared you, but it, it weirded you out to see the uh, the mangaroo. But there is an incident I asked mm -hmm. you about a long time ago in that you used to... What are you trying to subconsciously see us with? I said the Tupper Lake. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> you're, you're still trying to squeeze yeah. that in. You know, we've got to get it right. It's I the see. Tupper Lake Mangrove. Well, yeah. It's the... Uh, it's a, it's it's branding. branding. we got to brand know, it. We're branding right. here. First heard in, of on this show. Okay. In, yeah, uh, guys, it's not just the monster... It's the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, exactly. Who cares yeah. about the monster? Well, I mean, I live like you could uh, also just say Ness. I, I always, I grew up. Yeah, I grew up uh, an hour away from Chan. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. You know, right. It was always in the bar backyard. Like Here, uh, but getting yeah. to this though, there is uh, a story or an incident that really puts you off your supernatural eggs. You could say, which because you used to do ghost hunting, and as you as mm -hmm. you mentioned at the top of the show. And then I asked you, well, this is what I learned since you told me that story. A lot of ghost hunters eventually, this is why you can get gear at, at a decent price on eBay. A lot of them get out of it uh, for various reasons. Uh, sometimes it's it's being freaked out, uh, having stuff follow you home and to your neighbors and friends. Sometimes it's just a uh, you, you change your uh, viewpoint on it. Like Troy Taylor, he used to do a lot of ghost hunting and he's like, eh. I don't need to record this stuff. I just like, I like being in these haunted houses. I just walk around and, and I soak up the vibe and maybe I'll take a few snapshots, mm. but I don't need to get out a bunch of gear and try and uh, quantify all this stuff. What was the incident though? Was it the, the Pontiac, uh, was it the, the, not the firebird, the Pontiac sunbird uh, case? Yeah. What was it, Rob, that, yeah, turned you off on ghost hunting and anything kind of supernatural and made you take a pause for a long time. A lot of stuff seemed to follow me. Mm. Um, uh, I would I would usually go somewhere sometimes, and I would come home with something, and and, and it wasn't mm -hmm. bad or anything like that. But it was just like, 
hey, there's always something with you. And the, and the weird thing was, and this was from about 2013 to 2017, 18 or something like that. But they would always let me know that they were there by putting a hand on my back. Mm. And it was it was always very strange. Like I could usually feel it in like the like just below my shoulder blades, just this constant mm-hmm. hand. But um, there are a couple of incidents that, uh, you know, back to back that were pretty prominent uh, for us when we were in, uh, investigating and stuff like that. And it started uh, with a spirit named Jeff. And we had uh, my my group, um, the Adirondack Society for Paranormal Research. I'm still technically a part of it. I just don't do investigations anymore just because I... Uh, I don't like bringing things home and like I it's it it's not like things really follow me around anymore but for a long while after these two incidents the I would generally bring home a spirit uh, at some point I, and they were always women hmm. for whatever reason I don't know why but I remember somebody telling me um that male spirits do not <laughs> like me uh, a lot of them don't I still don't know why but uh they don't uh, but the the first night, uh, and, and to give you an example of of, of this, uh, back when uh, John Zaffis was touring um, the college campuses, he he used to come up to my co- the college that I went to, you know, often. And uh, the last time that I ever went to one of his events was in two thousand nine, and uh, the uh, college uh, used to be an old hospital. So, uh, you know, I I had my um k2 meter with me and i brought that and zaphis had a ghost box and stuff so we were doing a couple places and we were in this boardroom and you know people were asking questions left and right and we were getting pretty good responses the one time that i asked a question the spirit responded by saying why like it was weird i i I don't know why but it, it seemed to be a male spirit but male spirits don't seem to like me but well, we uh, like you, Rob. The, yeah, that's right. Well, I that's appreciate right. it. They, I'll, they I'll, don't. If I if if I somehow die before you guys, I'll haunt you for. Oh, we're making an arrangement here. We, we're we're on. we're doing a communication pact, uh, and uh, because okay. the other thing, it, yeah. it's how people view it. I, what bugs me is, uh, you know, people who get the the story wrong, and then it's cemented into local lore kind of like yeah oh sightings and weird stuff only happens to farmers why is that it's an easy way to pass it off like no right. no it happens in rancho Palos verdes it happens everywhere yep. that's what i'm saying earlier it's going on all the time right now as we're talking something weird and major is happening we just don't know about it somebody's seeing something yep. unusual and then we're going to read about it in a book in 2028, uh, it's like, God, I wish we were there. It's like, yeah, you were actually two blocks from there. You could have just, you could have paused this recording, walked down and seen something weird. It's happening all around. Yeah. Uh, so if I, I just wanted to say that, yes, I agree with what Forrest is saying, but just to go back for a minute, if, if I die before you guys, I still plan to do at least one or two episodes a year, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, you're, you're still on the hook uh, for that. Rich. But, you know. We have some news for you. <laughs> You've said, clearly you have forgotten about the unfortunate incident. You've been gone for a while now. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incident at Oxbow. Uh, He's had literally him. going yeah. into the light. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. Uh, here's what, uh, what I was going to say about, uh, you, you know, Rob's experience. Well, one, I think if you if you look at it uh, in a very um, pedestrian way, uh, the male spirits don't like it because you're soaking up all the lady attention of the uh, the lady spirits. It happens, it, man. It, it happens, happens in life. Sometimes it happens in death. I, hey, Rob, you preaching in a choir. I had something follow me home from Kansas, and it took me seven, eight months to shake it. So, and Scott, you never found you never got a sense of a of a gender or a identity. Um, there was. <laughs> It, it was um there was a conflict going on between something protecting me and something trying to hurt me. That's what you felt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Eventually um, it died down. Yeah. Well, somebody somebody got their spiritual butt kicked probably or just uh I think I see it in these cases where something's annoyed and they just leave or uh, like with Rob's yeah. case it's like they just like okay, well I'm I'm moving on to something else, you know, or activity dies down because it's kind of a it's kind of an interest, yeah. you know, so, something takes an interest right. in you. And like, um, it, it, in general, it, uh, it just hung around maybe for a few weeks to mm. a month and then it moved on. I, re I remember one of them was a, an old witch mm. for whatever mm. reason, but, uh, she, I, I distinctly remember that she used to, um, get off on repeating her name in my head. <sighs> because it was the name of a demon too and it, just, it, it kind of freaked uh, me out i'm like what the heck is this thing that keeps saying it's this name in my head what the yeah. hell but uh uh yeah um since we're since we're short on time what what i will say is that we're gonna leave these stories for for the second part of this because yeah. we will come back and we'll do a second part uh but um uh, just to give you a little teaser, um, we kind of got confirmation one night uh, that a spirit um, had actually died in the area, and um, there was a connection with the car that we had. The second night and the second experience and the kind of the experience that um, kind of made me uh, a little more sensitive for a while happened the next night, and it involved a past life spirit that mm. I knew. And that uh, um, it, it, it it was a very emotional experience, uh, probably the most emotional experience I've ever had uh, to, to any of these things. Like um, uh, even still now thinking about it, it makes me emotional. But um, yeah, we'll we'll hit you with that in, in the part two when we come back and we we do this again. Uh, we, we've hit like a, a bulk of the a bulk of. Uh, my experiences so far but uh honestly it's it's been fun having you all on to to talk about and this we're gonna and do a lightning round when we come back for part two because it, like a lot of experiences they're short but mm -hmm. intense very short but intense little snippets uh, uh vignettes yeah. and you know it's when people ask us to cover or they send us their stories it's like well uh, you could do a whole rondelay of of these types of experiences because there's a lot of things that connect, but it's not enough to do an episode on just one experience. But hearing them all together, what you end up with at the end is that, yeah, it's all connected and there's a theme here. There are themes here and 
they connect with the person. And that's what I, and thanks for sharing Rob, but I, that's what I wanted to hear is that mm-hmm. there was something that uh, goes beyond being frightened by seeing something. It's, it's really deep down yeah. in your soul. Yeah. In, in other words, I am an astonishing legends tagline because it's all connected. <laughs> Everything is connected. There you go. <laughs> it all comes back. It all comes back to you guys. Uh, in other words, you guys. Are oh, really so thank well, you very much. Wait, I thought <laughs> wait, no, something you so. else ruined your life a minute ago. How did we get in the line? I can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, it, was it, it, it happens. Like, yeah. Um, you we guys, picked up the Robert mantle. Stack, you've ruined yeah. my life. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's great when you can put faces to to like the trauma that uh, that yeah. I've experienced. So, yeah, you you all uh, are, are definitely those faces, and uh, yeah, I I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, just talking about all this weirdness with me. Um, if you don't listen to Astonishing Legends right now and you're listening to me, what the hell is wrong with you? Go listen to <laughs> oh, Astonishing Legends, yeah. okay? And and if you're not watching oh, Titans, yes. like. It it is it is amazing. If you are not going on Amazon or eBay to find yourself a vintage copy of Miracles, you need to get your ass yes, out there and it do it. It will make Rich's year. Yeah, yes. Okay, just do it. Uh, I can't wait for part two when we get into like we covered some of the media yeah. stuff, but folks, there's meteor things out there, indeed. and we're gonna cover it. Beefits, uh, paranormal uh, beefits, indeed. Paranormal beefits indeed. Yeah, we're, we're this is a crossover promotion here. Uh, I'm 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 tying in all my projects. Nice. So uh, until then, don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies, and you never know when you'll see the Mangaroo of Tupper Lake, <laughs> the Tupper Lake Mangaroo. In gray, we trust. <laughs> Yeah.